Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, an American horror, science fiction, and fantasy author, editor, and futurist speculates on how the next world war may be fought. You know, what if the Russians made a pact with demons and used them to infiltrate the U.S. military? And, you know, how would you suss that out? And what would the defense against that be? If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. That's over 350 episodes. To subscribe, just go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again, go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Get access to premium episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Monday. Sean Patrick Hazlitt is here. He's the editor of a new anthology called Weird World War III in which a number of terrific writers submit short stories in the what-if historical genre and speculate how World War III may be fought in the future. For example, what if the United States and Russia or China go to war and not only fight on land, sea, and air, but also on the astral plane? What if alien technology falls into the hands of one of these rival superpowers? What if they struggle for dominion across parallel dimensions? What if they summon demons to gain decisive advantage? What if these global adversaries could transcend both space and time? Sean is an army veteran, speculative fiction writer and editor, and finance executive in the San Francisco Bay Area. He holds degrees in history and electrical engineering from Stanford University and a master's in public policy from the Harvard Kennedy School of Government where he won the 2006 Policy Analysis Exercise Award for his work on policy solutions to Iran's nuclear weapons program under the guidance of future Secretary of Defense Ashton B. Carter. He holds an MBA from the Harvard Business School, where he graduated with second-year honors. As a cavalry officer serving in the 11th Armored Cavalry Regiment, Sean trained various Army and Marine Corps units for war in Iraq and Afghanistan. While at the Army's National Training Center, he became an expert in Soviet doctrine and tactics. He's also published a Harvard Business School case study on the 11th Armored Cavalry Regiment and how it exemplified a learning organization. Sean is a 2017 winner of the Writers of the Future contest. Over 40 of his short stories have appeared in publications such as The Year's Best Military and Adventure Science Fiction, Year's Best Hardcore Horror, Terraform, Galaxy's Edge, Writers of the Future, Gridmark Magazine, 
Vesterian and Abyss and Apex, among others. He's an active member of the Horror Writers Association and Codex Writers Group. Hey, Sean, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show. My pleasure. Tell me a little bit about the genesis for this project, Weird World War Three. So it's it began roughly 20 years ago when I was an Army officer. I was stationed at the National Training Center, um, which is in the Mojave Desert. And what we did was we trained U.S. forces before they went overseas in these massive force-on-force uh, -force war games. And as part of those war games, I was uh, trained in Soviet doctrine and tactics because at the time that was our closest peer competitor. And, you know, as a result, I just, you know, learned how to think like, you know, like the Russians, the back of my hand. Uh, fast forward to, you know, 17 years later, et cetera. And I had this idea of, is, as you know, I'm a writer. Um, and, you know, as a, you know, I'm a former military officer, but I also write a lot of military science fiction. So add to that all the, you know, the, the you know, fears of, uh, you know, Russian interference in the election, et cetera. And I, you know, I, I decided that it's probably a good time to re revisit the cold war and, and to imagine what the world would have been like if the Russians and the, or the, you know, the Soviets and the, uh, Americans had actually fought world war three. Um, and then what I did with this project is not only that, but I wanted to inject a speculative element. So some fantasy science fiction or horror, and, you know, that's, that's kind of how it came to be. So if you think about the anthology, think uh, Tom Clancy meets Stephen King, mm. and that'll give you a sense of what it's like. This speculative genre that's emerging, when does speculative become reality? I mean, if, if you look at some of the things, for example, coming out of DARPA, I mean, we get glimpses. A lot of it's classified, obviously. We hear rumors and so forth. So today's speculation is tomorrow's reality or maybe even today's reality. That's right. Uh, you know, there, there, there are a lot of things that appeared in kind of the 50s that are commonplace today. So, you know, I'll take, I'll take a, a pretty popular example. If you look at, um, you know, like the tricorders you have in Star Trek, right? And then you compare it to, you know, an iPhone, right? So just imagine, imagine if, you know, 50 or 20 years ago, if somebody told you that everybody in the world, or, not, or at least in the United States, will have access to a device that allows them to tap into the combined knowledge of everything that's been produced since the advent of human civilization um, and do it instant, instantaneously, people would look at you like you were crazy. But that's kind of what an iPhone is. Um, and then there are other things that actually happened during the Cold War that uh, you would think were science fiction or, or, um, you know, fantasy, um, that, that, you know, projects that really, you know, that they, that really happened and may or may not have had, um, positive results. So, you know, an example of that is, uh, project Stargate, which the, the, um, you know, the defense, it was the last in a number of different projects that, um, the defense department was using called remote viewing. Uh, you know, which is a which is a technique that you know enables um, remote viewers to acquire intelligence, um, you know, passively, um, you know, and 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 without you know without detection. And there was a whole program that the government called psychoenergetics, um, you know, that they were 
you know, either using or you're making use of in the 1980s and 1990s. Um, in kind of the mid 90s, when they canceled the you know, Project Stargate, the, the CIA took over and immediately, um, you know, you know uh, really tried to pan the project because there were I think there were a number of books that were coming out um, circa 1995 or 96 that went into depth about the program. And, you know, the, the, the CIA just kind of um, discredited, you know, discredited it, you know, said that it, you know, was not was not effective, et cetera. Um, now, the question is, is that true? Maybe um, it could also be it was so effective that they didn't, you know, they wanted to continue to make use of the program and, and, and you know, didn't want uh, any prying eyes. Um, because at the end of the day, if, you know, if if anybody can do these, you know, use these techniques to acquire information, um, you know, it, it actually, you know, makes things a lot more transparent and actually hurts national security. Right. So, right. and, and um, people who people may be familiar familiar with the George Clooney movie "Men Who Stare at Goats," which uh, was about that that very program. And I, I've interviewed Russell Targ from the Stanford Research Institute a number of times about that program, where where it sort of be, began, I guess, or incubated at uh, the Stanford Research Institute. Uh, I mean, what what are your thoughts uh, about the likelihood that that program is still operating under the radar and, and whether the Russians uh, and maybe even the Chinese or North Koreans are still engaged in creating uh, psychic soldiers, if you will. So, you know, all I can speak to is kind of what's what's recently been or, or not recently, but what's been declassified. So if you go to the CIA website, um, they, they have, you know, tons of, of documents. So the the thing that appears to have set off all these projects was a you know something called uh, Project Gondola Wish, um, and that was a comprehensive study of you know what the the Soviets had done, that the Chinese had done back, you know, stretching all the way back to I want to say the 1920s um, in terms of you know some of the you know Kirlian or Kirlian photog- photography, like all all sorts of you know things like that, um, you know psychic experiments, etc. And when you know the Defense Department did that, you know it was one of those things that uh, it kind of scared them into into action, and then there were a slew of programs um, like Sun Project Sunstreak, uh, Project Center Lane, uh, where they you know you know where where they where they did this stuff. So um, if if the successes that they talked about, um, and you know I think there's another another remote viewer his name's David Moore. He's written a book called Psychic uh, Psychic Soldier or something like that. That goes into his personal experience. If if those if those stories are true, um, and the CIA and the reason the CIA um, you know publicly discredited the program is you know because those programs were so effective, I would find it hard to believe that they they didn't have a current or active program. Um, that said, uh, you know there's a lot of skepticism in defense circles about these things. Um, you know, even back in the, in the nineties, um, that, you know, there's also, there's also a chance that, um, you know, the, these, some of these programs may have not survived, uh, budget cuts. Right. So I, you know, I, I, again, I would think if it was, is as effective as has been reported in some of these, um, declassified documents, I would, I would find it surprising if they, if, you know, the government, you know, you know, um, CIA and, you know, Russians, et cetera 
that didn't have some sort of uh, hidden programs working on this. Again, I haven't seen it. I don't have any anything to base that assumption on. It's just a uh, speculation based on logic. And there is, a, we should point out, one of the, the chapters in this anthology, Weird World War Three, deals with you know the idea of the United States going to war with the Soviet Union, fighting not only on land, sea, and air, but also on the astral plane, which again speaks to the idea of, of psychic soldiers. Uh, who wrote that article, by the way, or that that, that uh, chapter? Oh yeah, so so it was a it was a short story. Um, it was by Sarah Hoyt. And she, you know, you know, she she speculated a, you know, there was, you know, the story that was um, based on a recruitment program where the Soviets had been doing that, um, you know, had that program, and then had convinced the the you know the U.S. government that it didn't really exist, and it was somebody who had worked back, uh, you know, in the Cold War who was reviving it by recruiting, un, you know, unsuspecting citizens to go and fight, you know, this this threat. So it's you know it's a great short story and I, I definitely encourage people to 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 check it out. But again, it's you know that 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 story is um, you know alludes to Project Stargate, but it you know riffs off in a in a different direction. Um, and to be clear, you know as far as I know, Project Stargate was more about remote viewing, whereas you know astral projection is an entirely different thing. Um, and you know everything, or I shouldn't say entirely. I'm sure they're related, but. Um, you know, re- remote viewing is more of a, you know, seeing things um, at a distance um, and in time, um, you know, while you're in one place, you're, you know, you're not necessarily, um, you know, projecting your consciousness like you would with, with astral projection. Right. Maybe locating, you're projecting your consciousness. Yeah, right. You're locating locating missile and, sites and things like that. That's right. Uh, another interesting area that uh, Weird World War Three delves into is the idea of alien technology falling into the hands of uh, one of uh, America's rivals, and very timely because Senator Marco Rubio has raised this exact issue in in light of these uh, Tic Tac UFO videos that came to light after the New York Times article in 2017 which kind of blew the whistle on uh, the Advanced Aerial Threat Identification Project out of the Pentagon. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, that. First of all, the uh, uh, the uh, the story in Weird, Weird World War Three that uh, addresses alien technology. Who is the writer? And tell me a little bit about them. Yeah, so that was Stephen Lawson. Um, Stephen Lawson is a Blackhawk pilot. So, you know, the, the military helicopters um, in the National Guard. And, you know, his story is about, uh, you know, the, the Russians acquire this technology and in doing so are able to, uh, you know, in, invade the United States. And the U.S. is effectively kind of fighting a, a, rear, a rear guard action to try to, to, try to get, get access to some of this technology so they can fight back. Um, and, you know, I don't want to reveal what, what happens at the end. It's actually a... a, a uh, um, well, I, I, you know, I, I won't, I won't reveal it, but, um, to, to kind of connect that to, um, you know, you know, question is, is if, if the U S government has, um, you know, been, been finding these, these sorts of things for a very long period of time, how do you, how do you communicate that to the public and what are the implications of communicating that to the public? And, you know, there's an, you know, there's an intense desire 
for secrecy for, for very valid reasons. So number one, you don't know, you don't know what the source of this stuff is, right? Um, it could be an atmospheric phenomena. It could be a phenomenon. It could be, um, you know, something that is, um, from an extraterrestrial intelligence that's, you know, millions of years beyond our capability. Um, three, it could be something, um, an advanced, um, technology that, you know, that, that one of our adversaries, uh, created. And the third one is, um, particularly frightening because if, if, or, or is particularly frightening and also, um, a made, you know, a, a good reason why our government would want to keep it secret because, you know, we would alarm people. Um, you know, if, if there's something that the Russians were working on that we, you know, that was so advanced that it would make our, um, our country extremely vulnerable. The last thing we want to do is disseminate that to everyone in the population or freak them out. Um, and the same reason for kind of the you know, number two statement, right? If it's something from some alien intelligence that is so far beyond our capabilities, um, you know, it, 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 you don't want to panic the population with the prospect that there's something out there that is so 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 much more advanced that. They could easily wipe out human civilization with the press of a button, right? That's it, it, it's it's a message that's very hard to explain, especially if you don't have answers, right? Um, and I and I and I want to like emphasize that if you, you know if you don't have if you don't have answers that can explain that, um, it just makes it difficult to to present these things. Um, you know, there's a fourth possibility that you know maybe maybe we have been in contact for a very long time. Um, and, you know, th this is kind of, we're releasing things in a slow drip um, from an information standpoint in order to, to acclimate the population to that, that eventuality. Now, I don't know which it is because I, you know, I, 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 you know, haven't spent a ton of time and like really examining this stuff, but there are plenty of stories out there. You know, there's the, um, uh, you know, Bob Lazar, right? Uh, he, he talks of, of seeing, I think between seven and nine, uh, I, I can't remember the exact number, but, you know, intact aircraft, um, one of which was um, discovered in an archaeological dig, right? So, you know, not only not only are there claims that there have been, uh, you know, UFOs in, in recent times, but also, you know, could have been thousands of years ago. So there's just a lot of, um, you know, data out there that, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, t it's tough to vet. And if the government does not want you to learn about it. It's it's very easy for them to to bury it in in different ways, right? So you know, as an example, there was a New York Post article that Facebook just you know won't allow you to share, right? Um, that just came out last you know in, in the last few days. Oh, the uh, the Hunter right? Biden emails, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's just an example, but like you know, notice how easy it was for them to just turn it off, right? You can't share it. You can't share it on Twitter either. So, you know, there are a lot of levers that the government um, has at its disposal that um, can bury these stories. And, and it's increasingly difficult in today's media age where you just can't trust U.S. media sources because they're focused on, um, you know, generating clicks and, and advertising as opposed to, you know, taking a serious look at what's facts, fact and what's, uh, you know, what's, what's reality. It's all about a twist on a story or we're having a certain narrative. Um, on, and again, I'm not, you know, this is not specific to one side or the other. Um, 
but uh, you know, it's just easy for the go- it's much easier for the government to seed false false stories as well as um, you know. I mean, as an example, uh, there's a book by an Iraqi nuclear scientist. Um, his name's Kadir Hamza, um, and you know, somebody was looking for him. Um, you know, a lot of intelligence agencies because he was a nuclear scientist. So uh, you know, a newspaper somewhere i can't remember the exact details reported reported him dead so you know of course his family starts freaking out everybody's looking for him so he says no no no, i'm right here i'm in libya right now right it's a pretty effective way to find somebody just by you know you know planting a false story like that and uh you know they reveal where they are and then you send drones so you know it's just you have to be very skeptical you have to look at like as many primary sources as you can um, and that's, that's what I try to do, but I'm not like, I, I'm not, I haven't come to any firm answers on my own, but you know, it just, it just tends to raise more questions than not. More of my conversation with Sean Patrick Hazlitt when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. There's never been a more important time to focus on our physical well-being, build up our natural immune system and take control of our health. That's why the mighty Aphrodite and I take a tablespoon of ESS-60 from C60 Evo every morning. ESS-60 is the consumable form of carbon-60, the miracle molecule discovered by Nobel Prize winning chemists. ESS-60 from C60 Evo is the purest form of ESS-60 on the market. They produce the formula of ESS-60 that was used in a landmark animal longevity study in Paris, where rats that were fed ESS-60 lived twice their natural lifespans, twice. ESS-60 from C60 Evo is 172 times more powerful than vitamin C. It's truly a mega antioxidant. How does it make me feel? Well, I'm 56 years old and I'm pain-free, pain-free. My energy levels are through the roof and I sleep like a baby. The mighty Aphrodite is noticing the exact same benefits. ESS-60 delivers better health, mental clarity and immune support experience the benefits for yourself to order go to the notes for this episode and click on the c60 evo link save five percent on your order by entering the code rs1 spec rs1 spec and if you order based on a monthly refill you'll save even more Get your bottle of this miracle molecule ESS-60 today from C60 Evo. And again, go to the episode notes for this podcast and click on the C60 Evo link. Then enter the code RS1SPEC to start saving. This product has not been evaluated by the FDA and is not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. If there's one thing money can't buy, it's sanity. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Sean Patrick Hazlitt, the editor of the anthology Weird World War III, is here. You mentioned censorship, and it reminds me of Marshall McLuhan and, and his prediction that World War III would be a guerrilla information war, and there would be no division between military and civilian participation. And you mentioned the, the Hunter Biden email and how Facebook and Twitter have virtually censored that story. We are in the midst of this guerrilla information war now. So in that sense, could we argue that World War III has already started? I would I wouldn't go that far. I, like I think I think this is this is something that's not new. 
you know, the, the tactics are the same. The weapons are just different, right? So, so there's always been um, information warfare. There's always, you know, there's, there's always been an effort to, um, you know, get populations to, you know, to believe that, um, you know, what, what they're doing is right and just. And, and you know, a, a lot of these, you know, a lot, a lot of countries do it. So I'll, I'll, give, I'll, give you a, I'll give you an example. If you look back at the Arab Spring, right? Um, most, most Arab, like, like soon, like most Arab countries had some form of an uprising from Egypt to Libya, et cetera. The one, the one that didn't is a curious one, right? So if you notice there, there was, there was some, some agitation in Saudi Arabia, but it was quickly suppressed, but it wasn't necessarily violently suppressed. And what, what appears to have happened is the Saudis have, um, you know, you know, very small popul you know, Shia population, and uh, what what they did was um, using social media, or they appeared to have done. And I I would I would be unsurprised if someone said they appeared to have done with some help from an outsider. Um, they appeared to have focused on that Shia uh, leader, and then blamed you know the entire uprising as. Um, you know, as being part of a, you know, he was an, you know, an Iranian proxy, um, and we're able to quickly suppress it without firing a shot. But again, you know, it's the, you know, the, the beginning of, of using, um, you know, you know, the, the current mode or the new, the emergent mode of communications, which is, which is Twitter. And that's another reason that, um, you know, and I'm not trying to, I'm trying to be objective here. I'm not trying to be political. But that's another reason why Trump has been tremendously disruptive um, to this this kind of um, carefully controlled media narrative because he you know just he just tweets he uses you know that emergent mode of communication much like um, you know Franklin uh, Delano Roosevelt did it with uh, radio fire and, and the like, fireside chats right exactly and and John F Kennedy did it with television. Um, you know, Twitter is the is the new media for that, um, but it was you know tremendously disruptive to, um, you know, it, it, you know, there there is you know there is a permanent government. You have um, unelected bureaucrats, and I'm not saying that in a negative sense. I think it's actually, I actually think it's a source of stability. Right, for, it's one of the checks and uh, balances, kind of a check. Exactly, and balance, yeah. exactly, and it's and it, you know it's not like it's not you know explicitly referred to in the constitution, but I think it's it's something that. Um, you know, enhances the the government's uh, long you know long term stability, but it's also you know it's to have um, you know when you when you carefully calibrate a series of alliances over you know a, a long period of time um, to have kind of your you know you, you know the, the you know the leader of your country kind of make these pronouncements and things like that could be enormously disruptive to long standing. Arrangements that you have, some of some of which are very good, and some of which are not so good, right? So I would argue that um, he's he's been a force, you know, uh, you know, in in NATO, for instance, probably not so helpful. But with China, you know what? Somebody needed to call them out, right? It's 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 you know they've been doing a number of things that are deeply disturbing, and. Um, and and people aren't checking them because of the you know tremendous economic leverage that they you know that they've had. So uh, you know so so I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of going on a very 
long tangent on your original question, which is, you know, are we in the midst of, of World War III from an information uh, warfare standpoint? I would argue no. I would just say that um, it's just our enemies have um, greater reach than they've had in the past um, in terms of manipulating public opinion um, than they, you know, than they ever have, right? Because right now the Russians can create, you know, a bot account and they can cause a lot of damage by, you know, stoking, you know, stoking racial tensions, stoking, um, uh, you know, class tensions, things like that. And like, look, I'm a former military officer. If I were the Russians, that's exactly what I want. And, 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 and to say that they want a particular side to win, I think is missing the point entirely. What they want is chaos. And if they can, if they can stoke either side to maximize the amount of chaos, then, then they are doing their job. Um, and, you know, they're using, you know, for, for, for a country with the GDP of Italy, um, you know, Putin is playing his hand pretty well. Um, but the other thing, too, is that it also takes, you know, it's taking our eye off the, you know, the, the real ball, which is, you know, the rise of, the, you know, the rise of, of, of China. And the other thing, right. like, there's things that we're not even, um, that, you know, our, our press isn't even focusing on. Um, you know, they're mentioning, like they, they're covering it, but they're not covering it in the level of, of detail uh, according to, you know, the, the magnitude of the, the you know, the, the impact on the, on the world that they should. And, and I'll give you the, the most, the, mo- the biggest screaming example of that is, you know, what's going on in the um, line of actual control in the Himalayan foothills, right? I mean, there was an incident where, um, you know, uh, Indian and, and Chinese troops had killed each other with their bare hands because they're not allowed to carry weapons um, according to the, the agreement. So they were, you know, kind of um, stringing clubs with concertina wire and throwing, you know, throwing each other down into ravines into sub-zero, you know, waters with sub-zero temperatures. Um, and you know, the Indians reported they lost about twenty people, and the Chinese and the, and the Indians also reported they, you know, the Chinese lost. Um, you know, kind of roughly 40 to 50. The Chinese, of course, said that they would not report their numbers because they did not want to embarrass right. the Indians. And now we have which a- is always a, which is always a tell from the Chinese that, uh, you know, uh, you know that uh, they you know they're reporting that they lost you know under 5,000 people from coronavirus. Right, right. Which you know you know if you believe I got a bridge you know you know <laughs> if you believe that I got a bridge I want to sell you. And now we have an emerging it would seem naval potential naval war uh, between China and India in the. Uh, Indian Ocean. Oh, I didn't catch that. What 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 happened there? Uh, well, just uh, you know, some some posturing at this point, but um, it appears that China is is moving some some ships uh, around the Indian Ocean, and um, you know they're kind of staring each other down. Oh, that's 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 scary. Um, well, and, and the, I mean, the, what I mean, what the Chinese have been doing since the '90s is, uh, you know, in the Spratly Islands in the South China Sea, right? They've been, you know, p- you know, pre-positioning all these bases in international waters. Um, the U.S. has been challenging them, but there haven't been any shots fired because neither side, um, you know, has has had an incident yet. But uh, you know, the Chinese are flouting international agreed upon international rules that have been, you know, have been longstanding for, you know, decades. So, uh, you know, there's no, you know, there's no, uh, it's just kind of more of the same. Uh, 
Right. Well, we we may not be in World War III, but we we certainly seem to be, in my way of thinking anyway, in the midst of a new Cold War with China. Oh, uh, absolutely. To, now, I, this isn't something that's, uh, or maybe it is, uh, in, in the anthology, Weird World War III, but do you get into... Uh, the use of uh, biological agents, viruses, in in the anthology. Um, I think that's that's one thing that I mercifully don't cover, <laughs> which I, I think which is kind of a blessing given given this year, right? So that that's one area that I don't believe. I'm trying to rem- I'm trying to kind of cycle through all the stories in my head. Um, I think that's the one thing that is not um, that is not present. However, I am there is an anthology that um, you know my publisher Bain um, is you know you know is going to put out in the next two years or so that I'm I'm writing a short story for, and the anthology is based on um, uh, robotics. You know, it's like a robotics anthology military science fiction anthology and what the future that is. Um, but what I do have, I will have a story in there um, where I postulate that the, you know, that the Chinese uh, really take advantage of uh, CRISPR um, genetic editing technology and techniques Yes. Um, and effectively build super soldiers. But there's also some other really nasty things that you can do today um, in genetically engineering um, uh, you know, viruses and, and, and things like that, um, to the point where if, um, you know, if I wanted, if I wanted to, um, hit your population with a virus, and let's just say all non-East Asians with a virus that made your skin blister every time you went and were exposed to UV light, I could do that. Wow. So there's a lot of scary, there's actually a, um, I want to say it's, there, there, there's a DEF, there's a conference called DEFCON um, that's, I think it was in Las Vegas. There was a talk there by the, um, I think, chief medical officer of Intel, the Intel Corporation. Um, and he goes on into kind of what the possibilities of this sort of um, technology are. And the thing is, you, you, like, you need to work with it in order to defend against it. So, you know, Lord knows where this, where this could evolve, but it's really scary stuff. Really scary stuff. Well, I mean, these are the types of, of tricks that are also played during the Cold War. We had the, the CIA using LSD was, um, I'm trying to think of the name of that little French uh, town, uh, Pont Saint-Esprit, uh, where they uh, they put um, uh, basically LSD, I think it was in the, in the, uh, the bread, uh, just to see, you know, what kind of, uh, effect it would have on the on the local population, and uh, you know they did think about you know aerosoling uh, aer- aer- aerosolizing LSD on the battlefield and and uh, yeah and so confuse forth. the Russians yes yeah. yes um, the uh, the idea that we might be in a, in a new Cold War uh, with with China uh, and and everything seems to be pointing to Russia these days. It's all, you know, as Trump likes to say, Russia, 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 even though uh, there seems to be a great deal of projection going on here by the one side where uh, uh, 
it seems like they investigated Trump for three and a half years for something that maybe it was Hillary that was up to all along, and and then they they impeached Trump for something that uh, perhaps Joe Biden was actually guilty of. So this projection is happening, but the idea that that um, this focus continues to be on Russia, where in actual fact, it's it's perhaps China that we should be more concerned about. Uh, to what extent does that speak to the infiltration of of China into uh, the political uh, the U.S. political system, uh, media, and so forth? So a lot of it, um, in 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 my opinion, is economically driven. So you know, as an example, um, and I and I you know I. I believe I, I need to like I need to double check my my facts on this, but for every you know for all like most electrical components that go into your iPhone, for instance, there's only one place in the world they manufacture it, and it's in uh, Shenzhen, China. So, you know, in the effort to dramatically reduce um, economic the economic cost of everything, we've outsourced so much of our um, you know, electronics uh, industrial base in China that, you know, and, and the market is so massive, right? You're talking over a billion people, um, you know, uh, that are um, rapidly rising into, into middle-class status. It's just, it, it is just, an, it's, it is a massive market. Even Hollywood is, is being sucked in by the gravitational pull of that market to the point that they're, you know they're editing their um, you know movies and and things like that, so it's it's um, appealing to the to Chinese markets. And it's not like the Chinese are you know you know in many cases the Chinese are you know making these requirements, but in others it's just um, you know the market. It's capitalism. Capitalism is um, you know is 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 encouraging you know people in Hollywood and you know, to 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 alter the product so that it. Um, you know, has the maximum market potential. So, so over over the past, you know, thirty years, um, a huge portion of our economic base is is you know inextricably ch- tied to the Chinese industrial base. And as a result, um, even with you know treasury bonds and things like that, right? The Chinese could dump those on the market and and throw us into turmoil. Now they would hurt themselves too. It would be economic suicide for them as well, but the 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 issue is is that we're so tied to each other from an economic standpoint that it it makes it very difficult to to check and challenge them in areas where they're just you know you know way off the ranch, right? Um, in particular, what they're doing in the South China Sea. You know, just flouting international agreements. Um, what you know what they're doing on the line of action control in India, right? They're flouting agreements that, you know, both that they had agreed upon with the, with the Indians. Um, you know, they're, they're, um, you know, just bold, like just lying, uh, you know, to the world about what their actual, um, you know, death rates are with, with COVID. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, it, you know, this, this whole, uh, you know, narrative that, it jumped from, uh, you know, uh, I can't, uh, pa- pangolins. I, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't remember the exact, uh, 
and all species is, but from like bats to penguins to to hum to pangolins pengal- or whatever they're called to humans, right? When you know there's a there's a level four biocontainment facility in Wuhan, right, where they were working on coronavirus. So like, what what passes Occam's razor more easily, right? What's right, the simplest right. explanation? Because it the natural leaked. the natural just evolution, leaked. right? Because the natural evolution of a virus like that for it to to evolve so that it's jumping species. I've I've heard and read that that can take centuries, up to eight hundred years, for that to occur naturally. Yeah, now now it could have it could have occurred naturally over an eight hundred year time span. Sure, right? I could make an argument for that, but the simplest explanation is is that they just had a uh, you know accidental release, and not that even this was a weapon. It's just you know they were. Trying, you know, just like we do. I mean, we work on these coronaviruses as well. Right. We attenuate um, them. We increase their yeah. their uh, potency in order to study them. Right, and also to you know, we study them in order to find ways to to mitigate the outbreaks when they happen. So, but but the you know the fact you know the fact that uh, you know there's a, a level four biocontainment field. It's just it, you know the, the the simplest explanation makes a lot more sense here. So, um, anyway, it, it, there's, there's a lot of this stuff that's, you know, that, 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 you know, and then there's the tariffs, right? So we've been in a tariff war for the past, you know, call it two years, um, with, you know, who knows when that's gonna, that's gonna go away. So it's, it's, you know, the reason that there's this, um, you know, uneasiness with China and there's, and, and, and there's, there's a, um, you know, there's, there's lack of a stomach for, any confrontation is because they can retaliate economically to specific businesses. And as a result, these businesses don't want to draw their, their ire. Right. So, um, you know, at the, at the same time you have like, you know, you have these concentration camps in, um, you know, in, in Zhangjiang province with the Uyghurs, right. And where they're sterilizing people and doing all this stuff, but nobody's, Nobody's really taken them right. to task for that. Forcibly, you know, harvesting organs from political prisoners. Uh, it's, it, it, it's. I, I mean, I see uh, incredible parallels between the current regime in China and and uh, Nazi Germany. Uh, you know, why we can, why we continue to do, you know, business as usual. Although, you know, that's changing, perhaps not quickly enough. But it's a bit of a head scratcher. Um, I want to jump back into a weird World War III for a moment because this is um, into the sort of the realm of the supernatural. But the idea, one of the stories deals with um, the idea of summoning demons to gain decisive advantage. And uh, it, it does sound far-fetched, but during the Second World War, I believe the, the British uh, sort of had, had it secretly employed Aleister Crowley uh, to sort of combat the occultists on the Nazi side, so this is not a new story, really. Yeah. So again, this this uh, you know this gondola wish, right? Um, you know the, the the Russians were you know the, the Soviets were um, you know working on this sort of stuff um, since the 1920s, and you know who knows where they um, you know where they are with it now. But in that particular story, that's that's um, David Drake's story, who um, really leverages his you know, war experience, wartime experience in, um, you know, Vietnam and Cambodia. Uh, and, you know, just, it just adds a really kind of dark twist to what if, you know, what if you, 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 the, the, the Russians in this sense made a pact with demons 
and you know use them to to infiltrate the U.S. military. And you know how would you uh, you know suss that out? And and you know and what would the defense against that that be? And I think it's a you know I think it's a you know a great um, study on that. And I know in World War II, I think there was the uh, uh, I'm probably going to mispronounce, but I think it's the tool. Tula, Tula Society, right? But it's spelled Thule, T H U L E. Yeah, with Crowley for sure. Well, that that was on the that was on the German side. Um, so there was a lot of occult, um, you know, you know, iconography and 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 stuff like that that the that the Germans were engaged in. The Germans tried to do a like you know, kind of looked at all sorts of crazy, crazy things. Um, if you read the uh, Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. Um, uh, the, the author's name is uh, escaping me right now, but there's a whole section on um, the really twisted um, experiments that they that they ran at uh, you know in in in, the, in concentration camps, right? So they had they had twin experiments. They they had uh, um, you know uh, you know cold experiments. They were you know, they, they would submerge people in water and just you know Russian you know Russian POWs in the right, water right. just to see how long they would live. And the whole um, MK Ultra uh, program really came out of Nazi Germany, where the, when they were subjecting people to massive trauma, perhaps even involving ritualistic sexual abuse and massive drug overdoses, to to kind of compartmentalize and fracture the psyche. And uh, there's some speculation that this is what Operation Paperclip was about: was not only to get the the, the you know the the the, uh, the, yeah. the the rocket scientists, but also uh, s- some of these scientists that were developing mind control techniques. Yeah, so so I, you know I can't speak in too much detail about about that, but I do I, you know I have read that um, you know one of the you know one of the German scientists from Operation Paperclip was involved in in you know the MK Ultra um, you know experiments. Um, you know, and a lot of it too was you know as you mentioned earlier was um, focused on the development of LSD and and um, you know, uh, you know, administering it in the populations. I, I, you know, there, there's, you know, there's, an, there's another apocryphal story or not apocryphal story, but um, I don't know where I read this or saw this, but they were also, um, you know, having prostitutes dose, uh, uh, you know, Johns with this, this stuff as well. Um, you know, and look, I don't know if the CIA, I don't know who, you know, which, which, um, you know, which, which governmental, organization was involved with it but you know they were doing a number of things in the u.s population just to just to see how it worked there's even rumors that it had something to do with um charlie manson and all the crazy things that he, he was doing it was you know he was potentially a, a you know a fbi or a cia informant yes yes ah what a tangled web we weave um how do we get a copy of a weird world war three the anthology so you can get it where all books are sold, anywhere books are sold. Um, you can also, if you want to get it really easily, it's uh, you can get it on Bookshop or you can get it on uh, Amazon.com. Um, you know, either ebook or uh, physical copy. Barnes and Noble, um, uh, you know, IndieBound Books, Powell's Books, uh, you know, any, you know, anywhere. And I definitely encourage folks to to uh, you know get a copy because I'd like to do it again, uh, and I'd like to do it, you know. Um, you know, some of the things that you mentioned here would make for really, really good stories. 
right in terms of riffing off of those and and you know really exploring um you know the occult in world war ii or um you know or some of the you know nazi experimentation and and, and things like that um you know i would love to do a weird weird world war ii or a weird weird world war one uh, and the uh, the cover art is spectacular. It's, it's done very much in the comic book style. Tell me about that. Yeah, so Kurt Miller did the cover, and I could not have been happier. It's been uh, it's been great talking to you, Sean. I really enjoy this, and I and I look forward to future anthologies. Yeah, thanks, Rich, and thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed talking to you. My pleasure. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a few moments to tell you a little bit about an upcoming episode. She's our full-script dispensary manager and a nutritional therapist. Welcome back, Colleen Forgus. How are you? Great, Richard. So many people are having sleep issues. It's an epidemic, a national epidemic. What do we have at the Full Script Dispensary for people who have trouble getting to sleep? The product I want to recommend today is called Insomnitol. It's by Designs for Health, and it includes GABA, which is something that we have discussed on previous conversations, also valerian root, passionflower, chamomile, melatonin. So these products are all designed to help calm the body and ensure a good night's sleep. Terrific. Insomnitol. To order, all you need to do is go to strangeplanet.ca, then click on the full script dispensary button. Once there, just register. And remember, all orders receive 10% off, and orders of $50 or more ship for free. These products have not been evaluated by the FDA and are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. Coming up next time, author-investigator Steve Harris returns for another installment of our ongoing series on America's secret history. This time around, we'll delve into the deep state's role in the assassination of Bobby Kennedy. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.